DAB Plus online via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Welcome to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. As the Saints keep marching on, Southampton set a new club record as they push for a Premier League return at the first attempt. To do what we've done on the back of that, to go 21 games unbeaten, it's just, uh, I don't think you can give the players enough credit for that. They've been immense, so good. What I still think there's growth in that team as well. We're going to hear exclusively from Notts County's brand new boss, Stuart Maynard, from the National League to promotion chasing in League Two, and he's ready for the step up. There's not a lot that needed changing. I think that's why us as a management team have been appointed. If you look at our philosophy and the details that we go into that we did with Willstone, we have similar philosophies to Notts County and that's why we're kind of here. There's not loads that needs changing. And with Troy Deeney sacked after just six games in charge at Forest Green, was it a harsh decision or justified? This is how Troy feels about his time at the club. It's really weird because everyone says I had six games, but it was like Christmas, so it didn't really feel that way. It just felt like it was just like game after game. So we only had our first real week of training this week and we felt Thursday that we were, you know, we were bang at it and ready to go. Looking forward to getting the thoughts on that and plenty of other stories from the former Arsenal midfielder Adrian Clark over the next hour. Loads for us to get through. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Well, it was a weather-affected weekend in the... Well, across football, not just in the EFL, I guess. Um, And so if your team missed out this weekend, don't worry. There's still going to be stuff that's going to entertain you, and those games will happen. But, you know, I am with you, very sympathetic and empathetic if you had to turn back on the weekend, given the late call-offs. Listen, we're going to be with you right the way through, Okay, We're here already. It's on, and so is the game tonight. A little bit later on... The big one, one we've been looking forward to for such a long time, a massive game at the top of the championship. As Ipswich looked to close the gap on the leaders, Leicester, to just four points. Adrian Clark with me this evening for the next hour and more in the build-up to that game is live at the King Power Stadium. Good evening. Good evening, Hugh. How are you? I am all right, my friend. I am all right. The football this weekend was pretty good and it was the opposite of predictable, which is always what we love, to be perfectly honest. A lot of results uh, raising an eyebrow here or there throughout the division. So let's get stuck into it, Adrian. Um, Before we do, though, talk about the weekend, just a quick look ahead to tonight, because I can't wait. It's going to be a huge event, a huge occasion tonight. The only question on my lips is, can Ipswich do it? I don't know if that that makes me biased, but um, don't we all want them to kind of get a result? (laughs) Sorry, Leicester fans. Well, it'll make the league, uh, the tighter race, a little bit more interesting, won't it? But they can do it, for sure. They're an an exciting, attack-minded side that have got good individuals that, that on their day can score against anyone in the division they've they've got a real threat from set pieces Leif Davis the left back what a left foot he's got an assist machine he's got 10 this season so if Leicester switch off from a set play he's someone that can certainly make them pay that they're a little bit weakened I think as well the Foxes tonight we're waiting on the team news at the moment but they won't be at their strongest several key players are missing and their manager of course Mm. Enzo Maresca is serving a touchline ban so I think this is going to be a really competitive game I think it's going to be an exciting one uh, and I fully expect both teams to score. 
looking forward to it and I imagine that will happen as well and it will be keenly watched won't it by one club in particular who are playing very very good football at the moment and that is Southampton that's where we begin they set a new club record 21 games in all competitions without defeat thanks to a 3-1 victory uh, over his former club in Russell Martin at Swansea um, they're second in the championship at the moment. Uh, che Adams put them ahead after just six minutes. There was a tap-in for Will Smallbone as well. Jamie Patterson did respond uh, with a header, but very, very quickly Southampton back in front. Flynn Downs uh, with a slightly deflected shot, but a lovely goal nonetheless. Uh, it means they're 21 unbeaten in all competitions. It eclipses their previous best, which was a 20-game sequence, back in 1921 so absolutely unbelievable before I get your views on them let's hear from Russell Martin a remarkable run for the Saints last defeat coming in September last year uh, that was a very difficult month for the manager as they lost four out of five some question marks over his future they've all been put uh, to the back of all the Saints fans minds and he is only looking uh, towards the future yeah, I've tried to black out what happened in September. So, uh, But no, to do what we've done on the back of four defeats in September is the only month we've lost in. Um, and we paid for that in terms of league position. Um, to do what we've done on the back of that, to go 21 games unbeaten, it's just, uh, I don't think you can give the players enough credit for that. They've been immense, so good. Of what you, I still think there's growth in that team as well um, and the group. And watching them grow and come together and, and play the way they play has been an absolute privilege to be involved in. Now it's our job to keep them hungry and keep them humble and to make sure we keep working and try and improve. So Russell Martin there, listen, what do you, what can you say really about um, what this run has signified for him and for the football club as well? Well, it's, he's got a very clear philosophy as Russell Martin and he needed buy-in from the players. The players will have enjoyed the training instantly. They will have enjoyed the style of football, but it's also got to be winning football. And early on, as we all know, they struggled and they lost a lot of games. They gave games away really with, with bad mistakes. And a lot of it was down to their style of play. So... They could have wavered at that point, the players, but they stuck at it. He convinced them to stick at it, and now they've found a team. He's got a really consistent starting eleven, a settled back four. The midfield unit is pretty much the same week in, week out, with Stuart Armstrong downs and, and Smallbone in there. And the difference is unbelievable, not least at the back, by the way. Obviously, they're winning games, they're scoring mm. lots of goals. But up until the 30th of September, right, They'd had nine matches and they conceded two or more in five of them. It was a disaster. Mm, mm. Since then, it's only happened once. They've, you know, they've been keeping clean sheets or just letting in the solitary goal. They've become far more solid. And I think it's down to the players just, just getting used to the demands of Russell Martin and what his style of football is all about. Has he answered his critics as yet? Does he need to guarantee promotion <laughs> for that to happen? Because, look, in terms of his football, a lot of people have said, look, it looks pretty but his teams hadn't until he got to Southampton really been going anywhere. I know it seemed to click towards the end at Swansea. They went on a very good run, but that was really when they were out of any contention for anything of note. Um, and previously at MK Dons, the same thing. You know, look, it looks great. And when it clicks for periods of games, it's fantastic. But it's not providing the results that, you know, for all the, the delightful tactics we see, it was meant to deliver. It is at the moment. Well, he's never had a squad that's one of the best in the division, has he? He didn't really have it at MK. He certainly didn't have it at Swansea. So he was always striving to, to compete with the best in the division. Now he's got the, you know, one of the best squads in, in the championship. 
and and he's marrying that with successful results. So yeah, I think he has quieted down the critics. I was among them because he hadn't shown that he could prove provide winning football mm-hmm. over a sustained spell. But there are big games to come. What I will say about Southampton, amazing momentum at the moment, but the fixture list is tough between now and the end of the season. They've got to come here to Leicester City. They've got to go to Ellen Road. They've got to go to Ipswich. And they've also got to go to the Hawthorns as well. Four really tough away games will will show us what they're all about, I think, Southampton. Still a long way to go, but they will be feeling like automatic promotion is something that they can bring, particularly if Ipswich's form doesn't pick up. We'll talk about them, of course, a little bit later on tonight. As I mentioned, Russell Martin and all Saints fans will be watching that game very, very closely indeed. Who knows? They might be thinking about reeling in Leicester for the title. But uh, before we get to that, <laughs> let's discuss some of the other teams uh, towards the, the playoff places. Leeds United left it pretty late at Ellen Road this weekend, Joel Peru, uh, with a dramatic stoppage time penalty as Leeds came past Preston. They move within four points of the automatic promotion spot themselves and what did you make of Leeds performance this weekend Daniel Farker's side now unbeaten in 14 league matches at Ellen Road this season that's the longest uh, home run in England's top four divisions yeah I was there I was there alongside Mark Wilson for TalkSport 2 and it was a it was a good game I mean two goals inside the first six minutes so they came from behind so that's a that's another tick in the box for, for Leeds United they didn't let an early concession get to them and, and Preston were really aggressive. They were hostile in the match and they tried to get under their skin and, and make it make it ugly and make it a real battle. And it was, but I really admired the way that Leeds stuck to their football. They got on with it and, and you know, they pressed and pressed and pressed. And eventually they got the, the breakthrough right right at the death with a penalty. Um, but they deserved it. They were, they were by far the better team. I thought Somerville and James, the two wide players, were exceptional Unbelievable! The amount of dribbles that these guys were were, were taking the players on left, right, and centre, and, and getting around them. There's so much speed in that Leeds United side. So yeah, I, th- I thought they were great. I thought it was a little bit odd from Ryan Lowe to be so angry about the penalty call at the end. I think he was a little bit emotional. He said that VAR, if it was mm. in the Championship, would would have overturned it. Not for me. No. I thought it was a really clear penalty. I don't know what you thought, you. <laughs> it just looked. It looked. It looked. It, the arm was away from the body, and it hits. And it hits it. I think that's a clear handball. Mm. So, I, I get why he's frustrated, but I think he got he got that wrong. That observation. It, it was a pen, and and ultimately Leeds did deserve the win. OK, we'll talk about some of the other results uh, in the championship this weekend. Some of the playoff chases, some big results at the bottom as well. That's coming after this on EFL All, All Access on TalkSport 2 in partnership with McDonald's. Order McDelivery on the McDonald's app and get tasty rewards points. It's 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. On DAB+, plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. You are listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wizencroft, alongside the former Stevenage midfielder Adrian Clark, who joins me from the King Power Stadium, where a little bit later on we will bring you Leicester City against Ipswich Town. 
well, a top-of-the-table clash. I was going to say top-of-the-table clash. Ipswich now third. They want to move back to second. They want to close the gap uh, on Leicester City, and they will, I think, throw the kitchen sink at it this evening. Should be an absolutely fantastic game. We'll have build-up from seven. Uh, we will also have kickoff at 8 p.m. tonight, okay? Before then, let's look back at the weekend. I'll continue our look back at the weekend by talking about the playoff chases. We begin with a win that I didn't see coming. I don't know about you, Adrian. Norwich 2, West Brom 0. Josh Sargent, Jonathan Rowe on the score sheet. And they take a big step towards the playoff places with this victory. Norwich, an eighth clean sheet of the season. They extend their unbeaten run at home in the league to six matches. It lifted them three places as well. Uh, West Brom remaining fifth at the time. Uh, what did you make of, of this game in particular and the way Norwich went about their business? Well, they did very well. I think they've they got to be delighted with the, the performance and with the result. West Brom have got a problem at the moment. There's oh, yeah. three away games now in a row where West Brom and Jalbin haven't scored mm. on the road. You know, they've lost and failed to score. So that, that's an issue for them. But but if, we, if we're talking Norwich, then, then, yeah, I think the return of Josh Sargent and Ashley Barnes has been huge for them because... They're two excellent championship-level strikers that make a big difference. And while they were out, they they were certainly a little bit less potent in attack. They've made a huge difference. West Brom host Wolves in the FA Cup. Fourth round, Sunday. Mm. Big, big game for them. Morning game, isn't and it? And their fans. <laughs> yeah, it has to be a morning game, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, I'm intrigued to know if you feel like there was anything psychological there with players looking maybe too far down the road. No, I don't no. think so. No, because West Brom and Jalbian are in with a great shout of, of earning a spot in the playoffs. Mm. And that's that's ultimately the goal of the season, isn't it? It's be in the playoffs and, and try and get try and get this club back into the Premier League. If any club needs the Premier League money, by the way, it's West Brom and Jalbian. Mm. We know that they've got issues financially. So there's a lot of pressure on them. That, you know, all eggs really should be in the championship basket. But... That is a big game, mm. and and I'm sure that the players will relish it when it when it comes around. But I I don't think that's that's the reason. I I just think if you catch Norwich on a good day, they, they they're good enough to to be competitive against any team. You know this Johnny Rowe up front, what a find he is that's come through the ranks, only 20, um, and they've got a great keeper. I think in Angus Gunn, definitely mm. one of the best in the division. So, you know, they aren't a weak squad, Norwich City. Mm. They're, just, they're just inconsistent. Mm. OK, we'll see if they can keep it going and get themselves into the playoffs, keeping a close eye on them. And, of course, Coventry City as well, who got a predictable win, I guess, for many. Maybe wasn't as easy as they would have hoped away at Sheffield Wednesday, but we know what Hillsbury is like. Two goals from Ben Sheaf, a couple of crackers as well. Curling effort from outside the penalty area, putting them ahead. Um, what did you make of this victory for Coventry City and just how they are, if you like, beginning to b build that momentum towards, you know, the end of the season that could see them end up maybe somewhere in northwest London? <laughs> they'd, they'd love to be back there, wouldn't they? <laughs> I think they've got a shout, Hugh. Mm. I do. Look, if the season had started in the autumn... Right, we probably wouldn't be talking about a big four at the top end of the championship. We might be talking about a big five because over the last two or three months, Coventry have been as good as Ipswich. They've been as good as Leicester. They've been as good as anyone. Leeds, they're picking mm. up wins all of the time. Really, really uh, confident at the moment. Pleased for Ben Sheaf. He's he's a player that used to be at Arsenal. Didn't quite make the grade there, but I know that that he was always well thought of. And he's bounced back from the disappointment of, of being released. And 
and, he, and he's forging a really good career for himself uh, in the East Midlands. So, yeah, first goal in the game from, from Sheaf was just outstanding. Um, what I like about Coventry under Robbins is that they're evolving. They came within a penalty kick of the Premier League last year, but he's he's got a completely different side now. I was looking at the, at the bench. Carl McFadzine and Ben Wilson, the centre-half mm. and the goalie, they were staples of that team, absolute heroes. They run new subs at Hillsborough. So he's not attached to individuals. He's always evolving and trying to make them better. And I think, I think he's just a brilliant manager mm. uh, at championship level. So, yeah, Coventry... I, now that they're in the playoffs, I don't really see them slipping away. They'll, they'll be the odd bump in the road, but I think they're more than good enough. Okay, all right. One sad thing, I guess, to take away from Hillsborough at the weekend for the club. Um, South Yorkshire Police launching an investigation into alleged racially aggravated abuse after a racist gesture was aimed towards Coventry's midfielder Casey Palmer by a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Uh, Wednesday said that anyone found culpable would face the strictest possible actions we have heard uh, from the chair of the PFA that is Leighton Orient Omar Beckles who says that players don't think the football authorities are doing enough to effectively tackle racism in the game we also saw unrelated of course AC Milan's Mike Maynon at the weekend uh, come off for a period of time during their game due to what was happening to him in Italy so it's not an English problem not an EFL problem but it is certainly a football problem um, mm. what do we do Adrian what more can be done. I find it personally hard to talk about these things, not because yeah. the subject's not worth, worth talking about, but mm. because we could talk about these things most weekends, somewhere in English football, somewhere in European football. It's it's, it's that prevalent. So how do we it's stop awful. it? Yeah, it is awful. I wish I knew the answer. I mean, the, yeah, it was clear when you saw the video, you know, the, the offender... You know he's guilty of that of that racist gesture. It's, it's just horrible to watch, and let's hope that that he never sets foot in another football ground again. I don't know. It's you know I know that that we want to get tougher, and I know that we probably have to get tougher uh, as a sport. The authorities have to clamp down on it. But I'm really conflicted because I want I want tough sanctions, but also think it's harsh. You know, let's say for instance. Sheffield Wednesday got a points deduction for that. Like, you know, it's so harsh on the 99.999% yeah. yeah. of, of, of fans that aren't racist. You know, it's, it, it feels almost too much that. But, yeah, we, we, we've got to find a way, haven't we, to root these people out of out of the game. It's uh, Yeah, it was horrible to see at the weekend. Yeah, if you are a Sheffield Wednesday fan listening and you're in the ground and you have an idea... Uh, please do contact the club, of course, and they will, as I say, uh, if they find out who that person is, deal with them in the strictest possible sanctions. Hopefully we won't see them back in a football club again, which is most importantly the first step in terms of protecting the players out there. And we wish Casey Palmer well, of course. Uh, let's move on and back to what we all love, the actual football. Sunderland nil, Hull City 1. Uh, this was Friday night, of course, live here on TalkSport 2. Fabio Carvalho in a Hull shirt for the first time and showing his class. He, uh, it was a deflection, but, you know, I'm not going to take it away from the guy. It was on target. Technique. technique was fantastic, exactly. Yeah. So he deserves it, frankly speaking. Um, and it was important for Hull City as well after a run of four defeats in five games they're up to six or they were at the time yeah. uh, the Black Cats um, booed off at full time now this mm. is one thing that I found interesting this wasn't even around the game I went onto my social media yesterday 
and I and I it was it was trending, you know. Be, al- be loud. Hashtag be loud. I, I, I did this exactly the same. I was I was doing a bit of work last night, and I was on socials, and I, I saw I saw that very hashtag. I was like, what's going on here? This but, is it for me. I'm like, are they not going to give the manager a chance? He's just got there. You know, I get it. You know, a, a lot of Black Cats fans are unhappy that Tony Mowbray was let go and he looks like he's going to make a positive start and impact at Birmingham City. Maybe that's getting to them. Of course, they were beaten in the cup by the big rivals, Newcastle United. Always going to be a tough game, no matter who was in charge. Maybe they feel like he doesn't deserve the job. I don't know. You know, there are some people with particular views about what Michael Bill has done during the early part of his career, the time at Queen's Park Rangers, leaving the way he did, his time up in Scotland with Rangers and what those fans have to say about him. But ultimately, he's your manager now. Surely you want him to do well. Yeah, I think they should be a little bit more patient. Look, on Boxing Day, they beat Hull away. On New Year's Day, they beat Preston comfortably. So it's not all been disastrous. Yeah, this was a little bit of a listless performance. They lacked a bit, a few ideas. But I was looking at some of the numbers. Hull only had two shots in the game. You know, this wasn't a diabolical performance from Sunderland. They were just lacking a little bit of imagination inside the final third and, and were punished by a great piece of technique from Fabio Carvalho in, in what was a pretty poor game. So... It's harsh, in my opinion, but this is what happens when an owner makes a decision that is too rash. Nobody, I don't think there were, I don't know, I'm going to put a guess on this. I'm going to say that 3% of Sunderland fans would have been okay with Tony Mowbray going or happy that he was leaving. The rest of them wanted him to stay. This is what happens when an owner gets their own ideas that just are so out of touch with what everybody else is, is wanting and what everybody else is seeing. So it's not Michael Beale's fault. It could be anyone who's in there. Unless they were playing brilliantly and winning every match, I think they'd, they'd all be getting stick because they're angry that Mowbray's not there. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, we're going to talk about Birmingham City at the weekend. You know, it is still a bit of a surprise that Tony Mowbray was let go by Sunderland, but the club's made a decision. And I guess... You know, I want the fans to support it. And, of course, you want the fans to support their manager and want them to do well. But um, to see things like that, and it probably is a minority of Sunderland fans, of course, social media is never a good barometer in terms of the wide swathe of opinion. But It's a short honeymoon period, though, isn't it? It was, it, was, it was a very short honeymoon period, yeah. He will hope the results are, are much improved going forward and maybe the fans will be on his side. Um, let's move not too far away and just quickly talk about transfers at Borough because Borough's attacking midfielder Morgan Rogers mm. has been linked with a move to Aston Villa in this transfer window around about a week to go. That surprised me when I saw that piece of news. Do you, do you think he's shown this season that he is ready for a step up to the Premier League? I'd, I'd not into the starting eleven uh, at Aston well, Villa, no. but, but he, he is a, a player of, of promise, no doubt about that. I've, I remember seeing Morgan Rogers a few years ago when he was at Lincoln and he, he, he was excellent in that loan spell. Look, he's, he's done okay, but he's not a regular in the Middlesbrough side. So f- for that very reason, it's surprising. He's made 14 starts, 12 sub-appearances, Two goals, six assists. So, yeah, lots of assists. He's, you know, he's a good creative player. Can play on either wing. Can play as an attacking midfielder as well. But, yeah, I'd, look, he'll be one for the future. He wouldn't walk into the Aston Villa starting eleven. No, Probably nowhere near it. And, and, and if I'm honest, I think Villa, if they want to buy him, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they actually loaned him straight back. I'll tell you what surprised me about seeing this. My immediate reaction was, why on earth have you sold Cameron Archer? If you want someone like Morgan Rogers from the Championship, a young player full of potential, 
You've just yeah. sold one to Sheffield United. Yeah, so. but that's a striker. I think Archer was in competition with Watkins. And, and I think that that pathway, that, that's blocked. Because Watkins is the undisputed number one. He's probably not going anywhere. Rodgers can play in different positions. He can play, you know, where Diaby plays. He can play where Bailey plays. He can probably play on the left side where, where McGinn or, or Jacob Ramsey are. So he offers a little bit more tactically. But I, I get where you're coming from. That was a strange decision. But but look, sometimes you've got to let good players go. You've got to let them free and, and make their own way in the game. OK, Adrian, thank you very much. We'll be back with you in a moment. We'll be talking about the bottom of the championship table and we'll head into League One as well where there is a latest managerial sacking at Shrewsbury Town. All of that coming up next. As I say, you're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 in partnership with McDonald's. Order McDelivery on the McDonald's app and get tasty rewards points. 18 plus, of course, in terms and conditions apply. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access, on TalkSport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hugh Wisencroft and Adrian Clark are with you. Let's dive into the bottom of the championships. Some very important results. Birmingham City moving away from the bottom three. They went level on points with Stoke City on 32 uh, after their victory at the Bet365. Huge victory for Queen's Park Rangers. They beat Millwall by two goals to nil at a Loftus Road. Ilias Chair scored and setting one up for Sinclair Armstrong. A massive, massive victory for Marty Thifuentes, their first win in eight games. They had lost five of their previous six. Uh, Huddersfield got another draw, back-to-back draws. Maybe too many draws under Darren Moore so far, but a good point on the road, I think, away at Blackburn Rovers. Uh, Mikkel Hellick scoring his eighth goal of the season uh, to cancel out Adam Wharton's early opener. I mean, extended, by the way, Blackburn's winless championship run to seven games. They move now nearer the relegation zone than the playoff positions for the first time this season. Adrian, where do you want to begin in all of those three games? Surely Queen's Park Rangers. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a big win. I mean, Queen's Park Rangers had failed to win, I think, 11 of their previous 13 home games. So they would have gone into this this London derby feeling, you know, an element of trepidation, but they turned it on. And, th- and this is what they can do when you've got, you know, Elias Chair and you've got, you got uh, Willock as well. There and and others, they've got the talent, haven't they? I think the difference for Queen's Park Rangers in the game was the return of Steve Cook. He is he is a huge player for them. Obviously, he's he's been involved at various teams down the years. Bournemouth promotion was was a real standout. Of course, he's played for Nottingham Forest recently. He is a rock, and I think that he his return to the team. Um, help them no end defensively, as well as Jack Colback coming back and, and bringing them experience as well. So, yeah, QPR will be buzzing and they, it gives them hope, doesn't it, that, mm. that moving forward they, they might just have what it takes to reel in a Huddersfield at the bottom there. I think that the, the positivity is the most for them, I think, to take up from this weekend, just because it was beginning to feel like the, the manager bounce had gone mm. and it was going to be like, oh, my word, we're, we're barely picking up a point here. We're going to be certainly relegated. So mm. just that injection of positivity massively important for the hoops moving forward they will hope to uh, keep that momentum going just a quick word on Huddersfield because it is another draw maybe that as I said there are too many draws we spoke about pressure from the fans on 
uh, Michael Beale at Sunderland a little bit earlier on. And I just wonder if Darren Moore is maybe getting a little bit of the same treatment because I look at the league position, I look at the number of games in which they avoided defeat under Darren Moore, let's call it that. Yeah. And I, I kind of think, would Neil Warnock be getting this treatment from the Terriers fans? Yeah, probably not, no. But... I suppose the Terriers fans we think, well, we quite liked Neil Warnock. Mm. Why did you make the change? It's a little bit like Sunderland, mm. isn't it? A popular gaffer was 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 taken out, um, for, for, you know, to to bring in someone someone younger and someone more progressive, maybe with fresher, more modern ideas, and and that 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 sounds great, doesn't it? But you've got to get results, and and they're just not enough wins for Huddersfield at the moment. They're, they're definitely in the in the race to stay up. I think they're going to be there or thereabouts throughout the season. They just don't score enough goals, Hugh mm. Huddersfield. Michael Hellick, eight goals. He is the centre-half. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It is, it is incredible. I mean, thank goodness he has been chipping in because without his goals, you do wonder, um, you know, where Huddersfield Town would be, would be sat right now. So, yeah, that was, you know, that's not a bad point at Blackburn, but they need wins, really. Good to see Birmingham get a win for, mm. for Tony Mowbray. That, that really, that result was down to two moments of magic wasn't it from Stansfield I was at that game yeah, yeah I saw you on the TV I saw you speaking to the managers and <laughs> and uh, and I think he described it as moments of magic didn't he mm. um, the, the manager Mowbray and, and that's kind of what it was I was looking at the numbers Stoke had uh, you know a lot of shots a lot yeah, of the ball just yeah. um, I, I wouldn't feel too worried if I was a Stoke City fan I think they're they're a team on the up yeah 17 shots in the first half alone and it is the first defeat at full Stephen Schumacher at the eighth attempt and it's a game that they probably deserve to win on the balance of play I think uh, even Tony Mowbray said to me afterwards he felt that, that Stoke had dominated so no major issues uh, going forward for them in fact a lot of positivity still uh, for Stoke City uh, but let's talk about League One next and unfortunately no positivity for Shrewsbury Town at the moment they have sacked their head coach Matt Taylor it was after a run of seven defeats in eight games he was appointed in June of last year it was only his second managerial role of course after his spell at Walsall um, Shrewsbury's 2-1 loss away at Peterborough left them 19th seven points above the relegation zone sixth team to change the manager in the EFL since the turn of the year ninth managerial departure in League One this season what do you make of it yeah it's it's not a surprise because you know the, the, the run of defeats is, is disappointing but it's a lack of goals and and these clubs in, in the lower leagues they need the fans to turn out in force they need that ticket money they need them to come through the turnstiles and and Shrewsbury Town have scored 18 goals in 28 matches this season. It's remarkable, really, that they're not in the bottom four. It's a testament to, to their defending, really, that, that they're not in the relegation zone already. So I just think they're a little bit bored. The supporters fed up of, of seeing their side blanking and um, and they're looking for, for something new. I did have a little look, though, on, on some message boards and, you know, look, looking to gauge the opinion of Shrewsbury mm. fans and, a lot of the ire, actually, is, is being aimed in the direction of the director of football, Mickey Moore, who came in from Cheltenham last summer. He's the person in charge of recruitment. And I think that the Shrews fans are really unhappy with the job that, that Mickey Moore has done in terms of the players that, that's come in since he took that role. They don't think Matt Taylor's a bad coach. They think maybe the recruit has been let down mm. by the quality of the players being brought in. And this is, unfortunately, a familiar story. Um, when you have, you know, directors of football in, in the lower leagues, this this can happen. Lots of discussion over who might be next. Uh, the uh, bookmakers, at least, looking at the likes of Paul Hurst, previously at Grimsby, yeah. Michael Duff, uh, formerly at Swansea, Nigel Pearson, 
He used to be, of course, at Bristol City amongst a number of EFL clubs. Even Jim mm. Goodwin uh, at D- Dundee United, for example. What kind mm. of managers write? For them going going forward, I would say one that plays attacking football. Mm. I think if I was going for an interview for that job, I would be promising goals, goals, goals because that's what that's what the team needs. Now you probably need a few new players to to make that happen. The one name that really stood out there was Michael Duff because, as I just said, Mickey Moore, the the, the, the director of football, is is formerly of Cheltenham, so so mm. you would have worked with him and worked with him successfully as well when Cheltenham. Um, were promoted into into League One, so that that's a standout. As is Hurst, who's a very good manager, and probably the best Shrewsbury team of, in recent times was managed by Hurst. So um, he, he's he's been off and he's he's been at Grimsby, hasn't he, and, and a couple of other places in between. But but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if either of those two rocked up there. Good result for Peterborough, by the way. Uh, 11 game league unbeaten run. Haven't lost since the beginning of November last year. So, certainly uh, in with a shout now, second in the table, two points clear of Derby in third. Uh, let's talk about another League One side next. And after winning the League Two title in May, Leighton Orient settling in very well to life in a higher division. They currently sit ninth in the table. They've shown they can compete with the promotion chasers in terms of a 90-minute game for sure. They're already beating league leaders like Portsmouth and then Bolton this weekend as well. Uh, winger Jordan Graham sat down with TalkSport's Jim White to talk about his journey with the club so far and his hopes for the rest of the season. I came down and signed for Leighton Orient in summer. Um, I met Richie and his staff and it was a really good conversation that we had. Uh, signed a two-year deal and things started pretty well, actually. You know, I f- kind of found my form. I didn't have much of a pre-season because uh, I signed quite late on. Found my feet. Uh, I think I was I had four assists or something in the first eight or nine games, so I was doing really well. Um, loved the gaffer, loved the staff. The boys were really welcoming. And then on the 28th of October, we played Burton Albion away and I ruptured my left patella tendon completely which is a it's a pretty similar time frame to a ACL injury so it's like nine to 12 months they say um so that was a uh yeah that was a, a, a difficult moment for me but um I'm 11 weeks post-op now and things are going well I think it's healing really well so I mean a, a much better place than I was mm. back end of last year that's for sure that's good to hear I mean a blow like that though Jordan I mean physically yeah sure it's a big blow to where you want to be, where you want to be, and what you want to be doing. Mentally, how are you coping with it? Uh, really well, actually, Jim. To be honest, because um, in 2016, at the start, January 2016, I tore my ACL when I was playing for Wolves, uh, which was the first real big test that I think I probably would say I had in my football career. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my mindset. Uh, I'm quite fortunate that I've got a dad that is very big on mindset and perspective and uh, I learned a lot about myself during that first rehab I was out for about a year just over a year in total which was difficult but I think when this one came about that the, the toughest thing to deal with was that I knew what was coming in terms of the time frame but mentally I was I was all right because I, I kind of knew what to expect and I like challenges in life uh, I'm, I'm very <laughs> much like that I, I like I like to almost prove people wrong and sometimes prove myself wrong if I doubt myself or anything I'm very competitive um, so yeah it, was, it wasn't it was nice news it was a difficult moment for me but I think pretty much once I got home off the coach that, that night and I'd had this scan the next day and I found out what was the result I was just ready to hit the ground running and get back come back as strong and as fit as I can and I think I'm I'm doing pretty well and I'm on track for that Looking at the, the rest of the league your boys managed to take three points against Portsmouth a couple of weeks ago how do you see them getting on this season in the, in the title race with the other six teams at the top I mean it's very tight 
It is, yeah. So it's a, it's a good question. So while I was playing, which was up until the 28th of October, we were we actually were on quite a little good run of form. I think we were just above mid-table. Uh, the energy was good. And um, and yeah, then I came out of the team and we hit, not to say it was me that was the the, the influencing factor here, but we uh, yeah, we just stumbled a little bit and we, we it happens. It happens in the Championship quite often to pretty much every team. It happens to teams in League 1, League 2. It's, it's football, isn't it? You, hit, you kind of hit a wall and, and it's, it becomes how quickly can you get over that and get back on the get back on the right path and uh and yeah the boys just hit a little bit of a wall couldn't really score were conceding probably more than what we were before uh and I, I think we got two goals in nine or something it, it, two wins in nine it wasn't great mm. um and then I remember going to the Wickham game which was, which was my first game back at the stadium uh I think it was the 29th of December and um I was in the hospitality bit doing some interviews and one of the fans actually said to me, he said, uh, just a quick question, George, where do you think we'll finish this season? Now this was whilst we were pretty much on not a great run. And I said, do you know what? I said, we've got a manager that constantly believes, a team that's are really young and hungry and really believe. And I think that football is very results, obviously results dependent, but mood dependent. I think a couple of wins and things can change like that. Fast forward to where we are now, Jim, uh, and the boys have been fantastic. Yeah, they went and beat Charlton on Boxing Day. They drew Wickham. They went and beat Cambridge on New Year's Day and then obviously went to the league leaders, Portsmouth, and beat them 3-0. So I think it's a process. Football is never get too high, never get too low. Yeah. For me, it's just as long as you can find a steady state yeah. but always want more. And I think that the, the combination of that at Orient is, is really good. Uh, Jordan Graham of Leighton Orient who go to Reading in their next match on Saturday and they'll be hopeful for picking up all three points once again and to a good finish to the campaign uh, listen up next we're going to hear from the new Notts County boss Stuart Maynard I was talking to him a little bit earlier on really interesting chat that's next here on EFL All Access on DAB Plus online via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 This is EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Not long to go to our build-up to our live game here in the Championship tonight on TalkSport 2. Leicester City taking on Ipswich. Victory for Leicester would put them 10 points clear at the top of the table. Uh, it should be a fantastic game. Uh, Courtney Sweetman, Kirk and Jim Proudfoot will be with you very, very shortly. Adrian Clark is with me for EFL All Access. Um, listen, before we get back to Adrian, um, a number of games this weekend were called off due to the freezing temperatures, including a game between Notts County and Stockport County. But that gave the new manager, Stuart Maynard, just a little bit of time to prepare with his players for whenever that game does take place and their game with Barrow next weekend. Of course, the players wanted to be out there. They wanted to be playing. He wanted to be managing. But it gave him a little bit more time to acclimatise, which is pretty important for a man who is now no longer a part-time National League manager and telecommunications engineer for BT. He had to give that up to step up and focus on the challenge of being the Notts County boss. Earlier on today, as I say, I had the pleasure of sitting down with him. Stuart, thank you so much for joining us on EFL All Access. Um, we know the weather hit your victory at the weekend against Stockport but we know it also allowed you to see your players out on the grass, up close and personal, if you like. How did you find that first experience? Yeah, look, I think it helped. I think the lads behind the scenes, Jim especially, and all the coaching staff behind had done a brilliant job. So they were in good hands going into the game at the weekend. But for us as a management team coming in new, 
you kind of want to see the lads get on on the grass of them and start having that kind of implement with them. So, yeah, it was it was it was nice in some areas, but obviously you you want to play the game. The lads want to play the game, uh, and now we get a full week ahead of uh, the next fixture, which is good. Yeah, from the coaching perspective, maybe it's a little bit different to the players and the fans, of course, because no one wants a postponement. But it would have been a bit of a baptism of fire taking on the leaders' stockport in the first game. Is there a slight bit of positivity that you do get more time with the players before the game against Barrow and that eventual fixture against Stockport? Yeah, look, I think it will always help. But like I said, I think the team's in a good place. Uh, I think they performed to a very high level against Stockport. We watched the game back down at Stockport. So I think the lads were going into the game full of confidence. Uh, So look, it's disappointing for everyone, but on, on a coaching point of view, like you stated there, yeah, look, we get time to actually work with the lads and start implementing the little tweaks that we feel we can add to the group. I'm sure you're relishing the opportunity, but it's interesting to hear about the things that you feel you can add to the group. You're moving from a, a roughly mid-table side of the National League in Wildstone to a team fighting for promotion into League One. How do you view the challenge ahead for you, taking over a team in a pretty good place, but wanting to implement your own ideas? Look, I think... We're the top goal scorers in the league for a reason. I think we've got loads of quality in the top end of the pitch and a lot of people have highlighted the defence, but I don't feel that it's just the defence, it's us as a collective. I think that there's little tweaks that we can get the structure right behind the ball so teams can't counter on us and and give the defence a little bit more protection. So, And they're the things that once we get on the training ground, we can start looking into and working with. And, and that's what excites us. We've got a real good group here. They're tight-knit. They're used to winning week in, week out. So it's, it's become a habit. This season, obviously, we've come in. They've come into a division now, where it's very tough because this is probably the division. If you look at in the EFL now, it's the most exciting to probably watch. If you look at the teams in it, last season League One was exciting with the big teams, but they've gone out of it now. And if you look at League Two now, there's some real big team teams in there, all trying to get promotion. So look, with the lads have put themselves in an unbelievable position. We just knew that we need to come in now and, and steady the ship and keep pushing on. So look, we're excited to be working with the group. How is the mood of the group? Obviously, their manager has gone. There has been a change in that department. Usually, there's big questions asked around a managerial change because they're on a bad run, for example. Things aren't going great. Maybe the group's lacking in confidence. That isn't the case at Notts County. So, in your early conversations with the players, you know, what, how do you address improving them, taking them on a further step, given how well they've played? But there's not a lot that needed changing. I think that's why us as a management team have been appointed. If you look at our philosophy and the details that we go into that we did with Willstone, we have similar philosophies to Notts County and that's why we're kind of here. There's not loads that needs changing. The lads are in a really good place and when we come in, they're high in, high in spirit, So, which is good and we expect and it's just continuing that journey now. Tell us about your coaching journey then. Um, some fans won't be very familiar. You, you, you spent three years at Wildstone, what do you think that time added to you as as a coach and manager? I think being a possession-based team at a team like Wildstone and when you're coming up against full-time clubs, they don't really like the thought of a non-league part-time team having the ball. So what it allowed us to do is to find out different structures and different ways of making sure that we we could dominate the game of football. And I think that's what helps. And, and, and now you're seeing a hell of a lot of teams, even in every league now going man for man because the athleticism is getting stronger. So it's kind of helped us as a management team now to kind of create different ways to make sure that we have the overload and still dominate the ball. So, yeah, I think it sets in really good stead working with Willstone in the way and the manner that we had to work. It's a big time of the year for every football club. Like 
it being appointed what on the, on the 18th of January gives you a very short period of time to really assess the squad in terms of what extra you think you might need. Does that mean the focus for you primarily in terms of the playing squad will be on the summer rather than this week? Or is there plenty of activity at the moment? Look, I think as a football club, they've got their recruitment model that's been so successful over the years. It's all it's happening in the background. And look, we, if we had to bring into the into this group is to is to strengthen the group to make sure that we've got enough cover in different areas. But as a group, we're happy with it at the minute. Did you find anything different about the process? You mentioned the way that Notts County approached bringing players into the club. Has that been very different to what you've experienced before? Uh, we're literally just in the building, so we're, we're we're new to it at the minute. Once we get to the summer, we'll we'll know and understand exactly how it works. But look, we we've spoken to the owners and and uh, Richard, so look, we kind of know exactly the model before we kind of come into the job, and it's something that we're excited to be working with that we can solely focus on the football. Uh, so, yeah, look, it's, it's good. Tell us about moving forward. Firstly, what you've just discovered about the football club in the early stages of being there, but also looking ahead to some big challenges along the road, including the game against Barrow. How do you view the road ahead for you as Notts County boss? Look, it's exciting times for us as a management team. Uh, you're coming into a team that, like you say, we're competing at the top of the table. And if you look at our next four to five fixtures, they're all teams in and around it. So, Look, there's lots of points to play for between now and the back end of the season. We've just got to go one game at a time, but it is exciting times and we can't wait to get started at home, especially in front of our home fans. Barrow's a big challenge. They've been having a great season so far. How do you approach that one as we look ahead to the weekend? Yeah, we know we know a lot about Pete Wilder's teams. He was manager of Halifax in the National League, so we've come up against him a few times. They're having an incredible season for where they've come from as a football club and they're right in the mix at the top end of the league. It's going to be a really tough challenge and it's one that we're looking forward to. Stuart, we wish you all the best with it. Welcome to Knox County. Welcome to EFL All Access and hopefully we'll be speaking to you again soon. No problem. Take care. That's the new Notts County boss, uh, Stuart Maynard. Uh, Adrian Clark uh, back at the King Power. Only one thing left for us to discuss. Troy Deeney sacked at Forest Green after just six games in charge of the League Two side. He obviously apologised last week uh, after criticising his own players following the feat by Harrogate in very strong terms. Let's be honest, in terms of those criticisms, he did say he allowed his emotions to get the better of him. He leaves with the club seven points from safety at the bottom of League Two. Um, was it was it too soon, or is it just because of you know the strength of the language used that, that Troy Deeney lost his job? Yeah, I bumped into him earlier. I said hello. I he's here. He's here at the game tonight. Um, I, look, he overstepped it. There's a reason why players don't. Don't slam the why managers don't slam their own players in in public. It it can cause all sorts of problems behind the scenes. You lose trust in that manager, and if one player loses trust in the gaffer and what they might say about them publicly, then then that can spread around the dressing room. So, I think that would have played a massive part. I also think that the fact that he he got a four game suspension, a touchline ban, was another factor with with so many key games coming up for Forest Green as they look to stay in the EFL. So. Yeah, I think I think Dale Vince just quickly realised that maybe it just wasn't the right fit. And, and Troy can come back from it, but he, he has to learn. He has to learn that you have to be a little bit more diplomatic to, to be a first-team head coach these days because, um, you know, players are a lot more sensitive to criticism than they used to be. 
Absolutely. Okay, Adrian Clark, thank you very much. A reminder, you can listen to us every Monday from 6pm here on TalkSport 2. If you miss any of the shows, listen back on the TalkSport app. We can also be found as a podcast wherever you get your podcast from. So just search EFL All Access.